Hey there, this is Martin. This is Martin Findlebaum. Hey, and uh, uh, you're listening to the MEP Report, which is a. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. My grandchildren had it on their computer, and they say it's a podcast. I don't know what that is, but I listen, and I listen to it, and it's a MEP Report, and I, I like it. So this is. This is Martin Findelbaum, and you're listening to this thing. I don't know what it is, but it's, you know, it's a show. You should listen. Let me tell you of an interview with an old man emu. He's got a beak and feathers and things, but the poor old feather ain't got no wings. Aren't you jealous of the wedge-tailed eagle? I'm better da 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 Well, the eagle's flying round and round to keep my two feet firmly on the ground. Now, I can't fly, but I'm telling you, I could run the pants of a kangaroo. But da He can't fly, but I'm telling you, he can run the pants of a kangaroo. Well, he was the model for the 50 cents. Um, the designer should have had more sense. Um, Take a look, it'll prove to you. I ran the pace of that kangaroo. But I don't All right. In that case, welcome to Member Report number 129, November 5th, 2014. Back in the land of of Anadomina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Now that we're back into doing this, all the music is coming back, too. What is going on, everybody? Hello. uh, My name's Greg. Uh, Russ and Story are here. Russ was almost not here. Russ was almost captured by the NSA. So um, congratulations. For I, I, I saw Sandra Bullock for a few seconds in the net. <laughs> oh, geez. Because you were caught in the net. <laughs> oh, my God. I said, I, um, hey, 94 circa Sandra Bullock, what's going on? I have to say that when you first said you were having trouble with this, thought that it was related to the fact I was talking to uh, someone, I interviewed somebody for my podcast, Speculate, that I do yesterday, and he said that he was having trouble getting Skype working on his iPhone. So for one brief split second, I thought of being asking you, oh, is it on your iPhone? And then I realized that to say that, or indeed even to think that, would be to invalidate. Um, low these many years of friendship that we have had because we indicate I clearly know nothing whatsoever about you that you would have bought an iPhone. Yeah, so, don't mock me, Greg. Yeah, so I'm glad I didn't do that. I'm that being I said, <laughs> I I'm pretty sure that I did the last map report on my i my iPad. So oh, did you really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know anybody anymore. That's ridiculous. Nope. It's all right. That was my parting gift for my. You don't my talk to people job. for three years and look what happens. Exactly. Oh my right? You lose them all. Yeah. So I kidnapped. You... I kidnapped the iPad for my last full time job. So it's sort of a. It's sort of a gift that I refuse to give up. This is part of the non disclosure agreement. that <laughs> yeah, You almost exactly. spoiled last time. Right? <laughs> Except that Russ's definition of end, non. Yeah. yeah his his, dis- <laughs> his definition of non disclosure is he won't disclose how much he stole and destroyed right, of the company exactly. on his way out the door. That's what he won't disclose. Except <laughs> now. Um, so what's up, guys? It is it is good to talk to you, and uh, yeah, we got some stuff to talk about, guys. Um, and of course, what I'm referring to is Ebola. Um, no, I, I was going to refer to the election, um, and maybe we can talk about that later, I guess. But I do because we didn't have a chance to talk about this last week, and I just feel like Ebola is something that is completely in our wheelhouse, not to receive because we're not going to get it, but to talk about <laughs> because it deals with all the things we love most about our country, and that is flat out bat bleep insanity and uh, ridiculous well, anti-science. So I figured it actually it. does not come from bat shit. 
That is God. that is a false rumor. About God damn it, story. <laughs> Why are you destroying my it. myths and dreams? Why? <laughs> that is that is not in fact where it comes from. But seriously, you guys must have been watching this with his mind. Like I'm gonna, st- I imagine Russ especially, right? It had to be looking at this, being like, really, really, like anti-science euphoria at its height, right? It's got to be. Um, I don't know. I have a complex set of ideas about Ebola, like the fact that. <laughs> I mean, this like, is not maybe I just want the beginning, it, right? Maybe I, don't. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about its well, desirability. Hey, if you get it and survive I, it, you can make tons of money selling your antibody-rich oh, yeah, like, blood on the black market. So Christ. there's that. Russ, don't get any ideas, please. <laughs> Russ on Craigslist like, selling Ebola blood. I'll see you in Sierra Leone. <laughs> um, no, but I'm beyond that nonsense. I, I feel like the the whole New York City scare with the health workers coming back and potentially exposing themselves to people. Uh, is just the tip of the iceberg because as it ramps up in those Western African countries, more and more strays are going to try to escape the quarantine situation there by going to New York or to Western Europe or wherever, and there are going to be more and more of these potential, um, you know, cases for contamination and uh, contagion. So that's going to keep going and it's going to ramp up in the next few months and it's going to get really, really interesting. Except that, I mean, you know, like the in, in those particular cases, which is why you have to sort of deal with it on the ground by sending people there. But I mean, beyond the sort of typical my annoyance at the fact that we don't actually think it's a tragedy until it involves a bunch of white Americans dying and then we're really upset about it. Um, that goes without that, saying. Yeah. yeah. But, but also, and I don't know if you guys had heard this story. Uh, this just came through yesterday, which is why it was on my mind. Um, there was apparently a uh, teacher at a Kentucky school, um, I think a public high school, I want to say. I, it, I can't remember if it was a public or private high school, but it was a high school in Kentucky who was forced to resign because um, there were complaints from parents who realized that she had been in Africa. Now, just to be clear, she had been apparently, if I'm not mistaken, in Kenya, yeah. which if you were to look at a map of Africa... Is literally all the two... same. I will not hear any of your <laughs> yeah. further lies. No, no, no. It's the same. It's, thing. it's a small continent. It's all the same place. It's all the same place. It's literally two United States worth of, away from Liberia or from any of the other cases of Ebola. And in fact, the people who were making this complaint in Kentucky were closer to Ebola in Africa than the woman had been when she was on That's the awesome. eastern side of the continent. It like was but two United Precious. States do not sound scary. <laughs> That's Africa. True. Just just listen to it. Africa. That <laughs> sounds scary. The dark uh. continent. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, God. Everyone's heart of darkness all the time. Um, but, to be fair, I think she resigned voluntarily because she's like, I'm working with idiots. I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, she was a- attempting to be an educator, so she probably at that point she was like, "All right, this is clearly a fool." There, the time has come. Not happening anymore. But I mean, I don't. And you know, they're like, "Well, perhaps." And they keep acting like, "Well, I think a reasonable precaution." Like, but there, but there is nothing reasonable in the precaution of removing someone who is farther away than you who are making the initial complaint from Ebola. I just, it well, just, see, I don't see also like Rwanda, which is also in. Africa, right? Ah! Uh, but they they <laughs> yeah. recently implemented Rwanda, which has zero all time documented Ebola cases. By the way, uh, <laughs> recently implemented a policy where they are going to screen Americans because America has had one documented or like four, I guess, one death, four uh... four documented Ebola cases that they're going to hold them for twenty one days. Um, to screen them because there's actual danger coming from America. It's true, even though it doesn't sound like. Africa. Africa. Ah, well, it's actually true. <laughs> we should have a sound effect every time we play. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Can we play just the part of Toto, uh, just the, the part of the Toto song? I've yeah. met an old man along the way. Every right. time we play that, just yes. no. But like, uh, 
but, but I mean, it's true. So actually, the the by the woman coming back to Kentucky, she was putting herself at more theoretical risk for Ebola than just you staying in the country. That sounds like Kenya, which is in Africa. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, so is that really? This is just African racism. Africa is the big scary continent. Is that really all this is? Is that the sort of underpinning it? I mean, what what drives this fear other than the fact that it's convenient? For Republican politicians in particular, but I mean, like, what oh, is yeah, driving not, not the fear? to transition it... too quickly? But I feel like a lot of the gains that were made last night by the Senate in the uh, both the state and national cong- uh, Congress was due to them running Ebola scare ads, Might have been. which literally had littered the landscape. They're just like, Ebola's coming. You need Republicans <laughs> to stop it. We will stand in the way of Ebola. You have this image of Mitch McConnell on the border, like in a hazmat suit, holding up a hand against this creature who's got, you know, Ebola, like a large E on his chest with a cape or something. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's Mitch McConnell is not who I would turn to in the midst of a physical crisis. I think you could just stop the sentence after he's not who I would turn to. (laughs) Just stop. I just would not turn to ever for anything. that's, That's fair. But. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, it's possible that that had that, that did, I'm sure, have an impact on the outcome. And I have to say that, you know, I saw a number of people on a lot of the lefty blogs were sort of, you know, not only relentlessly mocking them, which is what they understandably would do, I guess, but also talking about like the nurse who defied the quarantine CNN, which can't be, you know, can't be crappy enough, sort of breathlessly reporting the fact. And I love this, that reporters are running after her. she takes a bike ride out of her house in Maine and reporters without masks or hazmat suits or whatever else are like running alongside her as she bikes, like breathlessly asking her questions about whether she feels that she's a risk. And I'm like, you guys realize <laughs> that by shoving a microphone into this allegedly Ebola laced woman of course she's not positive for it she doesn't have ebola that's obvious but you realize that that's far more risky right that like just what you're doing right now puts you at infinitely more risk than anyone on the mountain bike trail like i mean is she gonna like are the foxes going to be afraid i don't i don't understand but can i ask can i ask you guys what what's your stance on the uh, mandatory quarantine of health workers returning from the ebola infected countries because americans are way behind that they're like 75 percent say they should be mandatorily quarantined what do you guys think I, I think that they're well, they're completely wrong um, because and the reason I say that is because an organization that I respect almost more than any other, although Amnesty International probably edges it out slightly. But uh, Doctors Without Borders, uh, Médecins Sans Frontières, um, has uh, qualifications and conditions and restrictions in place that make it very clear about how things ought to be handled. And in fact, the doctor that came back who was found in New York did exactly what he should have done. When he, start, he started getting seriously feverish and started having trouble, he immediately put himself into quarantine and reported. And that's exactly when the danger begins to happen. Before that, Ebola is not transmissible. Ebola is not risky until you have so much of it in your system that you were shedding it through you know varieties of liquids and stuff like that. So not only is a mandatory quarantine unnecessary and probably a violation of civil rights, but what it actually does is hamper the process because it means that people, nurses and, you know, medical workers think to themselves, I'm not going to volunteer to go there. And why would you when you see what was done to this nurse? Why would you honestly go there if some moron like Christie and then LePage, who somehow got reelected last night, by the way, is is going to throw her into a tent in a freaking, you know, New Jersey hospital and then have a cop follow her and talk about how she's defying quarantine? Why would you put well, up with that? But I mean, you know? look, if you're already willing to risk your life, which you're very much doing by going into one of those countries as a healthcare worker treating Ebola, wouldn't you be willing to risk a three-week quarantine on top of that? 
without pay. So, so, so wait, the argument should be that because they're already doing something that most people wouldn't do, we should really turn the screws. Like, no, 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 screw you. You haven't sacrificed enough. Unless you're really willing to lay your life on the line plus three weeks without pay, GTFO, right? Like, All right, what about the case of the, the two nurses out of uh, Texas Presbyterian Hospital who, first of all, they had no quarantine protocols. They didn't know what they were doing. So a bunch of nurses got infected by this, uh, this patient from Liberia who came in. And then one of them decided to fly home to, what was it, Cincinnati? And uh, she flew with a fever because she called the CDC. And the CDC was like, your fever's not high enough. You're fine. And then she flew back with a fever. And then all of a sudden they decided they needed to monitor everybody on the flight that she was with and a bunch of people she may have come in contact with but that in was her all, travels. And not, a, not a single one of which got Ebola. I mean, that well, was we don't a, know that yet. That was, what was that? Mm, I mean, what's ago? the incubation period on this thing? It's not yeah, it's, like it averages like nine year. days. It's like nine yeah, to twenty-one. It's not days. a year though. Like yeah, I think no, exactly. you would know by this this point. I mean, I think I I'm probably come down somewhere in the middle of these perspectives. Like I think reasonable screening. I think like a reasonable initial screening and quarantine time is probably like somewhat reasonable if you have just been dealing directly with people who are infected. Mm-hmm. I think that seems reasonable to do like maybe a week, but like 21 days when the incubation time is like max nine days. Like, yeah. That and when everybody, including the CDC is telling you it's not necessary. I mean, like that's the thing to me. Right. They say you don't, it doesn't need to be done. So if it doesn't need to be done, that's the end of it. Right. I mean, like I assume we're going to believe the CDC over, over freaking Chris Christie and LePage. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's my thing is that the CDC says that it's not transmissible afterwards. And to this point, Let's just point out that the people who are in the United States um, who have had Ebola that got it here are the two nurses who were treating the guy, Michael Duncan, who died here. And that hospital botched everything to a fairly well. And even still, they ended up being quarantined. And by the way, both recovered. And then the third guy who came back from Africa who immediately put himself into quarantine. Um, let me point out that, by the way, the current death rate of Ebola in the United States is one, and that one was due to a person who should never have been turned away from the hospital in the first place based on actual protocol, not, you know, let's make it up as we go along. Oh, I, I don't think... We so also anyone, denied like, him the medicine that we gave to... Like, everyone exactly. made a full recovery in the U.S. except the one guy that were like, you are not worthy of what the medicine that is What do you think is the difference, story? I, I was else. trying to figure that out. What's the difference between him and the others? I can't... That was a black guy. He's from... Oh. Oh, really? I... Oh. <laughs> He's from Africa. <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's it's almost like laugh so you don't cry. Like it's it's so I guess part of the problem too for me, Russ, is that it's just it contributes to further anti science mass hysteria, which we have way too much of in this country already. And I I just I mean, listen, I don't believe in the flu shot, okay? I've done a lot of research as to why. But I you know, there but there's certainly vulnerable populations for which they probably should be taking it, and moreover the flu will kill this year alone something on the order of like 30 years worth of you at not even that way more than that uh, like three uh, what is it 33,000 I think it's something like I don't remember the number it's thousands though that are going to die from the flu this year in the United States which means that thousands of years worth of United States Ebola deaths you know what I mean and yet we're not going to have people who are jumping all over themselves and saying we quarantine this but throw them in a tent put them in the you know what I mean because they didn't come from Africa I want a car shot that's what I want immunity to <laughs> I want a car shot because those a things are vaccine? actually dangerous how yeah, about a gun exactly. or a gunshot 
if you pardon yeah. me. <laughs> no, 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 I don't want one of those. No, a car vaccine is where you go to CVS and they put you in a little model of like a Honda Civic and they drive you at five miles an hour against the wall and then you hit the wall. And then you're immunized. <laughs> and then you're immune to car accidents. That's great. And, and you get out and there's resistance. a little soreness. There's a little soreness in the That's neck great. where you where you hit, but that, that'll go away. Yeah. And you little have to sit on the curb for a few minutes while Google a pharmacist comes this, over right? and takes your information. Oh, that's uh, precious. That's you're now immune. Wouldn't it be great? You're like, you're now immune from crash. No, but I mean, like, really, like all of these things we have, and really, like, especially the gun, the gun control thing really angers me. The fact that, you know, these are the same people who are just like freedom and individual rights and don't take away my gun. Oh, Guns my God. Aren't someone, dangerous, someone Greg? came back from Africa. What, Go into quarantine. In? Africa. That's what we need to do. No, no, story. You just hit on it. To make this country make sense, we need to push all of our money and resources and time into getting a gun va- factory built in Africa. And then all of a sudden people will be like, wait a minute, a black man made this gun? This must be quarantined right now. What in the name of God? Right? I mean, that's that. That's it. All we have to do. I think Smith and Wesson would like that very much because yeah. we enjoy massive profits off of arms trafficking in Africa. That's what we need. We need we need a black man making our guns, and then all of a sudden everything will make sense. And we won't have this problem. Speaking of of arms trafficking, um, <laughs> wow! <laughs> I think we haven't spoken about ISIS at all because it's been it was more of a vogue term before we re- resurrected the MEP report. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that was really funny. All of a sudden, there's like a car that was about ISIS. A car vaccine and suicide bombers are trying. <laughs> I to have get a through. hit on ISIS. <laughs> ISIS, please confirm, Langley. Yeah, I now live on a giant intersection, so this is what happens during rush hour because they put up these no left turn signs, so everyone honks at the people who don't abide by them. Yes. And I've gotten to the point where I take my powerful green laser and I shoot it in the eyes of people <laughs> who lay on their horn because I'm trying to decondition the entire city to not honk around my apartment so by, we'll by see bl- how that works by, blind, by blinding the offenders yeah oh yeah i'll burn their retinas out i don't care <laughs> you really are the laser falcon <laughs> really, really <laughs> anyway uh, yes. um i kind of have a theory that isis and there's an there's a really good article oh fuck fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> Sir, please step that, out of the apartment the and drop the laser. To now you just even yeah. say the words, and they're like, "Okay, dispatch, <laughs> yeah, exactly." Dispatch a car. No, they're no like, "Wait a minute." The this. hits were Ebola, ISIS, and Republican. All right, get someone out it's, there right it's now. It's like Voldemort. Stat. It's like this is why this is why Obama carefully says ISIL, even though no one in the entire planet except for Obama calls it ISIL. <laughs> but he says it in every speech. It's because there's a jinx. There's actually the NSA hex. <laughs> like saying Voldemort in Harry Potter is out on the name ISIS, and anyone who says it, it's like okay. So I think he says cars. ISIL because he personally branded the term ISIS, and he wants to distance himself from it. Right. <laughs> like when he invented that terrorist group, so right. they could get more funding for soldiers in the, the Middle yeah. East. Wouldn't like, it be uh, great if he actually came out though during a press conference, just like, and I want to uh, let the American people know that the organization which shall not be named. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, I, I refuse exactly. to put their names on them. The organ, yes. and everyone just starts calling it. Of course, it has to be an acronym, so it becomes the uh, OSNBL. So the uh, and what is Osunbol doing? And they're like, wait a minute, OSNBL, Osama bin Laden. It is true, you know. Like that's that's what you should totally do. So so my actual theory is that ISIS is ostensibly a modern privateer army on behalf of the United States um, ah. because it basically all all of the U.S.'s foreign policy objectives are like being accomplished by ISIS slowly. It's really impressive. Like <laughs> they're putting pressure on the Assad regime. They're scaring the crap out of the Iranians. They are 
co- like they're a force for creating coalitions in Iraq. Like they're basically forcing the hand of all these warring families in Iraq and Syria to get their shit together, or else they'll be under the thumb of these like insane, uh, uh, what whatchamacallit, fundamentalists. Um, mm. Hello. Oh, I, I I was waiting. I thought you were just <laughs> going was, on. That was that was the NSA getting Greg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like heard, before you can click. respond, did you hear a click? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No. I I was I was I was with you, man. Mm-hmm. I, I oh, and by the on. way, our airstrikes are not really like the fact that we won't send in ground troops and that we won't actually try to eradicate ISIS ourselves. I think is evidence that what we're really doing is we're just kind of trying to steer them away kind of casually from like ethnic cleansing of uh Kurds and other small groups and we're like okay it's like a giant evil amoeba that we've created and we're like all right well don't kill all the civilians now go scare the Assad regime and we kind of push them in the direction that we want them I like that you say that they're casually um moving people away like just sort of like if you guys wouldn't mind not ethnically cleansing the Kurds that would be great just a few little solitary airstrikes just just over in that push them in the other direction I don't know. You know, I mean, I think the problem continues to be that so long as, uh, I, and I think, you know, I'm I'm sure that you guys disagree with me somewhat, but I think I think Obama has done largely an excellent job in the face of overwhelming and horrific and, quite frankly, practically treasonous opposition in the way that they've acted. I, I, you know, the the amount of stuff that they've done all while waving American flags as to why they're doing it is pretty hard to take. So I'm very impressed with what he's done. And I, you know, I think there's sometimes where it's hard to be able to do everything on its own. And the truth is, this is another example in the Middle East where there's just no good answer at all. Like, I mean, you know, you can you can essentially just let everyone blow each other up, which is, I suppose, one option. That's frankly an option which had we taken it 30 years ago would have been a much better option because you would have had a lot less chance for those people to do lots of damage to everyone else in the process. Um, But the truth is that so long as we continue to kind of prop up this regime, prop up that regime, make every bad mistake in the world, back the Shah, which was stupid, then bring everybody to counterbalance Khomeini, such as Saddam Hussein, and then that didn't work, and then bring in everyone to go invade Saddam Hussein because Saddam Hussein dared to try to get George Bush's daddy, and then take him out, and then you've, you've got this huge power vacuum that's left, and so now we've got... I mean, you know, the whole thing has been obviously one nightmare after the other, and it, it gets worse every time. So it's like, yeah, at some point, we got to we gotta just zero it out and just stop and just be like, now we're going to close our eyes and walk away because it's going to be really bad. Um, and yet, how can you do that when in every situation that that happens, the sort of humanitarian consequences and everything else gets worse and worse? So there's, do you know why we're there's able no good to, option. So. Do you know why we're able to so accurately get an assessment of the, dam- of the, the cost of of the uh, the daily airstrikes against ISIS versus the cost of the equipment that we're destroying of the airstrikes. Have you seen those articles where it's like we spent, you know, uh, $500,000 to destroy like $30,000 worth of equipment? Oh, no, I haven't. They, they broke it down oh. that far, really? Uh, well, yeah, but the reason that we're able to get... Oh, Jesus fucking... <laughs> They're like, Russ, stop talking about this. Stop Shut now. up! <laughs> this is my neighborhood now. This is, this is uh, the drawback of the Shaman's Perch. Um... <laughs> Uh, yes. And dogs. <laughs> now they're bringing and the guard dogs. dogs. <laughs> Russ, it's been a real joy. It has, with you it's again been a great time. Sorry, I'll see you I really, really now. enjoyed it. And good we'll luck to you. Send a lawyer to Gitmo and to Godspeed. Hopefully they'll. I'm, I'm moving to Walden you. Pond. Yeah. Um, 
so the reason that we're able to get such an accurate reckoning of the cost is because all of the equipment that we're blowing up when we do airstrikes in ISIS is all American-made, American so equipment. American. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. So we're like, oh, that's our tank. We know how much that costs. That's our truck. Those are our long-range missiles. We I don't remember when I sold you that blam. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, So God. as you say this, Greg, it, and as you just sort of like put it so matter-of-factly of like, and then we did this, and then we like killed the people who killed those people and then we killed their people and then (laughs) doesn't it seem at least possible that rather than just like the most ridiculous series of lemony snicket series of unfortunate events that there was like some deliberation in pursuing a strategy that would like relentlessly keep a region of the world like totally unstable and impoverished and like in basically the toilet forever to prevent them from building up a certain amount of power and resistance to an agenda that we had for them well i mean it depends i guess you know i mean are there are there factions of the government that clearly wants that to happen absolutely i mean the entire listen most of george bush's foreign policy team were composed of exactly that group like that mm-hmm. is the neoconservative wet dream right like the neoconservative wet dream is to do exactly what you've described and right. to do that while also, you know, and then there's also this ideological component. And I do think sometimes people kind of miss that. There's an ideological component to this, too, which is, you know, the people who are like, in this way, we get to, you know, basically Christianize the region. And I do think that's mm-hmm. going on with some of the people that are there. I do think they also believe that. No, I absolutely agree with you. My argument simply, I, I would, I'm totally with you. I think that we haven't made a good foreign policy decision We have not made a really legitimately good foreign policy decision more than maybe, uh, I don't know. I mean, because the Syria situation was a a very difficult one that I think was handled not too bad under the circumstances. But as far as a foreign policy decision that you can be like, okay, this one I'm totally down with, I don't think there's been one that you can feel that way since World War II. So, I mean, and that, that accounts for Democratic and Republican presidents. Well, like, I just think we're terrible at it. So I, I would say that, yes, I think it's possible, but I would not say that there's a gover- that everybody in the government agrees with it or that there's this widespread conspiracy because I frankly don't think we're smart enough to do that. I don't think we're smart enough to keep the conspiracy going. But I do think there's a large faction, Wolfowitz and Rumsfeld and that whole crew, that goes along with it. And some of those vestiges are still left at the Pentagon and elsewhere. Sure. I totally well, let me that. push that point further a little bit. Um, here's here's a, a note about our airstrikes in Syria right now. So we claim to have bombed a bunch of uh, pipelines in Syria because it reduces ISIS's ability to transport and sell the oil that they get from the refineries and the oil fields that they now control in Iraq and Syria. Mm-hmm. Except it's well documented that the way that ISIS transports and sells its oil in the black market is by putting oil barrels and trucks and sending those trucks off to various black market sites where they sell these things and it's one of the means that they fund their operation. So really what we've been doing is we've been using ISIS's uh, presence in Syria as an excuse to destroy Syria's oil infrastructure, which is something that we've wanted to do for a long time, but we couldn't because Syria had the backing of Russia and it was in the midst of a civil war and we were only kind of covertly helping rebels against the Assad regime. Well, now we don't have to do that anymore. Now we can just take airstrikes with impunity and destroy and degrade Syria's infrastructure and Oops, hurt the Assad we regime. we missed. We hit the oil again. Oh, the, oh. Well, oh, no. let me let me just play devil's advocate for a minute. Uh, this 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 particular argument I'm about to make is not going to work with story at all. But um, <laughs> I I assume that that is the case. Um, would it be the worst thing in the world to destabilize 
the Assad regime. I mean, like, is is well, but Assad... my argument is that like not only is that obviously what we're trying to do, but like ISIS was created for that purpose. Like the fact that we've been arming for years now, for several years, we've been arming rebels right. to destabilize the Assad regime. Some of those rebels defected and became ISIS. That was right. like yes. we were selling weapons to the Al Nusra Front, which yeah. is just a hair's breadth away from Al Qaeda, which is a hair's breadth away from ISIS. And so right. now some of those guys are ISIS. Like. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it's all an accident that we're like, oops, it fell into the wrong hands. I'm like, yeah, some of these guys are radicals, some of them were Muslims, some of them are, you know, fascists, and we just give them tons of weapons in the hopes that they'll create chaos, and they did, and that's that's our foreign policy explicitly. It's to, to create chaos in Syria yeah. for sure. In Syria per se. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's conceivable. I, I, if you know, I would probably say that first of all, again, just. Again, playing devil's advocate, whether it's the worst thing in the world to create chaos for the Assad government is a problem. See, again, but the issue here is under um, it's Hafez Assad route uh, now under Assad's father, whose first name now is escaping me. Um, Bashir. Or is it Bashir? Well, no, yeah. isn't that the current? Yeah, I guess that is Bashir Assad was the, was the father. But under under that, you know, under his regime, the United States more or less kept him around because they thought that he was a guy, although we got pissed off because of the Hezbollah connection in Lebanon and all that stuff. They thought that he could also be another sort of secular counterbalance against what we saw as the sort of rising influence of um, Islamic extremism, which always and forever is being used by us to describe it. So, you know, immediately we're just like Islamic extremism. And that's another thing. The reason Which is we- basically a way of saying not what the U.S. wants today. Right, exactly. Right, like like is in <laughs> we resisted non, non-Christians what the U.S. asked us. them to do. Non-Christians yeah. are us, basically, and that's the thing too. You, I would say to support your point for a minute, it is pretty funny that you actually call yourself the Islamic State. Like you could not try for something that would be more likely to get people, the sort of the mouth breathers in America that that exist, pissed off at a particular area than to be like the Islamic states of, you know, whatever. It, like this this is the organization that we have. So yeah. I mean like you couldn't It's you not couldn't like they're dressing up in black uniforms to look deliberately scary to the American public or so. did something deliberately to provoke a war that then the US did. Hmm. Hey as a side note, did you know that <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Indeed. in the election last night Mississippi officially banned uh, Sharia law, so oh, Mississippi God. will not be governed by Sharia Thank law God this for year, that. guys. <laughs> that was the only thing that. that was preventing it. <laughs> oh, California passed Sharia law in the same election. So, like, Somewhere the know. head of ISIS is like, damn it, Mississippi is lost. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, good God. The, the worst thing about the elections last night, the worst thing among a whole sea of suck from last night, but the worst thing about the elections to me had to be the overall stupidity combined with hypocrisy of people in state after state voting for minimum wage increases and simultaneously pulling the lever for people who are opposed fundamentally to minimum wage increases. It, I'm sorry, no Democrat is, wants minimum wage increases either. Oh, no, I mean, like, look, I mean, that. well, that's, well, no, that's not true. The people in, in Oregon do, thank God, like Jeff Merkel and people like that. Very, and very Al few. Franken it's and people super like that. fringe. No, I'm with it's you. Listen, super fringe. I'm with you, but, uh, but the United States, it's interesting, though, because the populace as a whole supports it fairly strongly supports minimum wage increase. And in this one, of course, they're right, because it's a joke that we're even having an argument about raising the minimum wage to whatever, what would still ultimately be below poverty levels in 2014. I mean, it's an embarrassment that the richest country in the world acts this way. But, uh, but I mean, just the cognitive dissonance involved to just be like, I'm in support of the minimum wage. Chick, now I will vote for Tom Cotton. 
there needs to be someone at that point, like, they need to have, like, one of those public service announcements with the rainbow, like, the more you know at that point, with the guy still got to be like, hi, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what you've just chosen to do. With your right hand, you're voting for a minimum wage increase. With your left hand, you're voting for someone who will do everything possible to keep that minimum wage from getting to you. Perhaps I you should think, think about it what it means sense, to have contradictions in your own mind. The more you know. It makes sense. What, like a Zen cone? No, I think it makes perfect sense because I think that so people are unhappy. People are really dissatisfied with what's going on. When people yes. are unhappy, they vote against the party that they perceive as being in power. Democrats are in control of the Senate. They flip it. That's right. what they do. That's yeah. like how Hamas got elected. And then everyone was like, Hamas, everyone's a terrorist. And it's like, no, they just weren't the ruling party in Palestine. And right. people were unhappy. Yep. So that happens. Well, on, on top of but that, when people, you actually have also policies. elect conservatives in times of crisis as a general yeah. rule. Yeah, yeah. But when you also, but when you actually have policies on the ballot, which people are not policies, and people increasingly never ever talk about policies because it's not tearing their candidate, their opponents in candidate into shreds, then people actually support policies that are to the le- far left of the Democratic Party, to the far left of any party that's actually in operation. But nobody will talk about those policies. So if you just put policies, if you have an initiative referenda, I mean, look, there's no major politician also who's talking about marijuana legalization. It's a total third rail. Right. No one is supporting it. And yet but it shows up in three all more state states ballots. passed it. Yep. Alaska yep. passed it, which yep. is like a super conservative state. So yep. the policies that Americans actually want are far to the left of either party. But when it comes to the actual parties, then it's just like, well, I don't know, whoever's not there, I'm dissatisfied and grumpy because nobody's talking about policy, so I will like yeah. vote to flip whatever the policy is. So I actually think that it's a very heartening sign. You know, all of these liberals are wanting to commit suicide on Facebook today. I, I actually think it's a really <laughs> encouraging sign that people actually want policies that are to the left of these two awful centrist parties that we have, but nobody's speaking out for that. So it doesn't matter who you pick among those two parties, because of course they're draconian and crazy, but fortunately some states have ballot referenda and allow you to pick a reasonable policy. Well, it's funny, you know, last night I did not feel nearly as bad. The worst I've ever felt politically in the United States is after 2004, where that was as close as I ever got to wanting to just leave. I, I just, I couldn't conceive of electing a war criminal. I just, I, just, I, I was just, I was just. I mean, you ran a pro-war candidate against. I, I know what I know. It carry, I the know, war was I know. 60% unpopular and both candidates of the both. I know it. I know continue. reporting for duty. I know. <laughs> and Kerry would have been, I think, you know, there's not even, he would have been a far better president than Bush, but yeah, they completely misread what they should have done. It was, it was moronic. I agree. But you know, so I was, I, nonetheless, I felt completely out of sync with the electorate. Last night, I didn't feel like that. I just felt for the first time incredible, palpable sense of relief that I live in a blue state and absolute certainty that I will not, you know, comes when I, I would never live within miles. My, I would not even come anywhere close to one of the states that continues to do this because it really is almost a return um, to the old states, the Confederacy. And, you know, then I don't know, I mean, some of the Midwestern states that are sort of popping in there. I'm not sure what we do with Wyoming. Maybe they could get like a nice bridge over to the south and that would be fine for them. And we'd have to we'd have to separate New Orleans so that you wouldn't be left out. I was going to say, no, no, reporting live from out. New Orleans. Yeah. But I'm saying, but like in general, <laughs> I've never that, been guys. so relieved to be like, thank God I'm in a blue state. 
even a blue state which is still run by a corporate dem like Cuomo who can't suck enough but you know at least it's at least it's not we have strong gun control laws at least I don't have to worry that you know there's not a large chance that my daughter is going to get shot on her way to school you know at least there's some relative sense of sanity um here and I've it's sad to me because it's so regionalized and um and that's a shame and I I think there is general progress but it's so gradual and so slow and so one step forward six steps back that it's um it can be very frustrating but I didn't feel as nearly as much despair last night as I did in 04 partly because 2016 is going to look even worse for the Republicans because of the the way the map looks for them and also because historically you know someone in power for six consecutive years the president's you know party does that gets destroyed in the midterms that almost always happens um but on top of that it's you know i just feel thank god that i'm not there i thank god i'm not in you know mississippi where they're they've finally thank god kept us safe from sharia law i mean it's one just, other uh, uh positive note from last night is that and i'm not sure if this was true after the 100 percent of the votes were counted but in new york uh, the Green Party candidate got something like 4.5% of the vote, which is yep. like triple the amount that they've ever gotten before. That is two votes from me for that, because I was damned if I was going to vote for Cuomo, and I was damned if I was going to vote for uh, Jeff Klein, my state senator, who's the one who's kept this ridiculous gang, this Democratic gang system where you have the Republicans controlling Albany, even though the Democrats, there's more Democrats in the assembly. I mean, it's like it's absolutely out of control how bad it is. So Klein is a jackass. And um, so I voted green on both of those. Nice. And I voted green on both of those also because the hell with the Working Families Party. And you know what? Working families that were like, oh, well, you don't want to lose our ballot line. Then you shouldn't have endorsed Andrew Flippin Cuomo, then you should have said, I'm going to vote for Zephyr Teachout and put a legitimate progressive up because there was no way the Republican was going to win. And by voting for the Green Party, I also helped ensure that Cuomo's national ambitions are destroyed. And they are because Cuomo embarrassed himself with his performance. There is no way he's going to run a national campaign now because he also managed to lose four or five House seats in the bargain because he was such a drag in the top of the ticket. So so I'm not a big Green Party fan because of what happened back in 2000. But this is, you know, on a local level, good for the Greens. And I, at least they had more integrity than WFP did. So good for them. A couple other things. Uh, it seems inevitable that the Keystone Pipeline is going to be enacted now that they control both houses of Congress, which, it's I mean... Obama may, always wanted... Maybe, I don't know. No, I mean, Obama's going to veto it, and then the battle will come down to the Republicans will be willing to shut down government, you know, to threaten... I hope they do that. ...stop from vetoing it. I hope they forget about 1994. Please do that. Please overreach again. Um, they, they can't help themselves. I think they will try to overreach all the time. So and I mean uh, I think I don't think it was really that huge victory for Republicans. It was just a you know a very low turnout, which is the case in midterm elections. It was elections. very predictable, is what it was. It was very. It was a lot of disaffectation from yep. most of the country who realizes how dysfunctional the whole process is and how few legitimate candidates with outside views get a chance to run for office. And I think that I mean. And obviously, a record amount of money was poured into the campaign by special interests and the Koch brothers, and the Supreme Court has, you know, removed the caps on the amount of corruption that can be introduced into the uh, the U.S. electoral into the system Court. into the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, yes, corruption in themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, yeah, it was, it was, I agree with you um, that I don't, I think it was very predictable. And I think that, you know, if I were the Democrats, I think what I would ultimately decide is to basically, you can't exactly give up on midterms. 
But just accept the fact that every four years, demographically, things are turning strongly towards the Democrats demographically. Um, Texas itself is going to be a state that's in play by 2024 or so um, because of just because the number of Latino voters. So it is moving in that direction. Did you Um, hear about what they were doing in Texas uh, as far as the voter ID stuff? Yes, of course. Well, of course, that's the only way the Republicans can really win, gerrymand and suppress the vote at this point. It was very interesting. They were like, yeah, a gun permit is a totally valid form of identification at the polls. A student ID... No, that's not. That's Certainly not. not. No, yeah. of course nope. not. Oh, God. No, I mean, it's so. So, but I agree with you. I, th- I do think that. I th- so, I've heard the Democrats. I just say, listen, every four years, we pour all of our, you know, effort and attention into that. And then we just, you know, try to sort of vaguely kind of, you know, shuffle along because the truth is they just don't, you know. Or they could try tw- embracing the causes that South Dakotans everywhere the progressive causes that South Dakotans really love, that would also probably win them a lot of states. South Dakotans. (laughs) Yeah, South Dakota voted for the minimum wage. Like, you know, one of the top five states you think of as being red, but they increased the minimum wage because they actually want more progressive policies than either party. So you could just try being a progressive party. That might also work. They might have also voted for that because they wanted a raise, you know. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know whether they're really sitting there going, this is for progressive rights or if it's like, I want more money. I mean, right? either way, like it's better than what's being offered oh, yeah. by the party system. I, I agree. <laughs> like, no, no, I agree. Like, I agree, but you, I'm just saying just I wouldn't necessarily people. read that as progressivism. I'd read that as I want more money because I'm starving. I mean, you're right. Like, no, I'm with you. Like, obviously, yeah. you know, but I just it's I mean, as, it's like it would that. be the first time people voted their interests like ever in this country. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? So I don't I don't think it's that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I don't think people voted for medical marijuana because they support progressivism. It's because they want weed. <laughs> well, we, that's what we, need. we just need to be like we actually yeah, need to I do mean, that you know like like vote absolutely like look man do you want weed yes do you want money yes clearly like vote saying, for this yes yeah, sorry you, they voted you're against war because they don't like war they just don't want to kill people or get shot well, no, like, but at a certain the point it becomes an agenda right at a certain point it's like huh we don't want all these things that are destroying our society <laughs> no they're destroying our society no, no i'm serious be fair be, no be fair man you are this is not gonna ride with you not a chance your argument you would not be happy simply because people are doing things on a means ends basis right you're all about integrity and doing things for the right reasons and i mean not you know, in making, politics like that's that's an impossible <laughs> dream of politics i'm just asking i'm sorry i'm asking that the party that claims to be in the left like gets to the left of dead center for like a minute that's what that's my like strong integrity push here so no politics are pretty much i'm just saying that like the democrats don't have to be like well no one liked our pro-corporate agenda this season and so every other year they're not going to like our pro-corporate agenda that's indistinguishable from the other pro-corporate agenda like maybe you could take a look and say hey same-sex marriage and and uh marijuana and minimum wage are really popular but no one's endorsing those publicly maybe we should get on that train yeah no that's like our traditional turf yeah no i'm with you on that i mean like and and i think another thing that could have been done is that having a bunch of people running like absolute mad away from obama is about the stupidest thing you could do because people were going to tie you to obama regardless and instead of doing that what you could have done is run after like look at this look at a health care plan which no president or party has enacted in 80 years and which has successfully got this amount of people on health insurance and which actually has saved numerous people including my cousin who would have been dead three 
years ago were it not for ACA. And, you know, those are stories and examples that Democrats should have done instead of Alison Grimes doing a commercial where she fires a gun and tells people in interviews she doesn't want to say who she voted for. I mean, give me a break. Like, he's the standard bearer of your party. You can say what you like about the Republicans, but they don't have problems acknowledging who the leader of their party is. They know how to sort of, you know, get together in line, and they don't do it in this case. So if you're going to run madly away and pretend that you're just as Republican as the other guy, then yeah, you're not giving anyone any reason to vote for you. So I agree with you on that. Um, The only thing I would say is that some of the people who did sort of try to support some of those things lost also. And that's because I think the map was so horrifically bad that it was, you know, I mean, Christ, Mark Warner almost lost in Virginia, a race which was on nobody's radar screen. The Shumlin in Vermont, the governor of Vermont actually is in a runoff. And and the way that it works in Vermont is that now the state legislature elects him. And he's obviously, they're strongly Democratic, so he's going to be elected. But Vermont? The People's Republic of Vermont is going to have problems like, you know, I'm getting you, this guy back dis- in. Dissatisfaction, man. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think people are just upset. And also, when you have a massively white electorate that comes out and it's like 37% turnout, that doesn't help either. Like, But again, that too. I mean, there's only so long that dying white people are going to vote, you know, can be around to vote. You know, the problem is all the harm that's being done in the meantime because of a bunch of chicken bleep Democrats, you know, I mean, not standing up for what they ought to believe in. So I'm with you on a lot of this. I just think that, um, you know, I I think that there's I think there's way too much cowardice in politics. And obviously, on the other side, there's too much cruelty. (laughs) Meanwhile, let me let me just uh, bridge the gap in this debate here by noting that the top seven candidates that Goldman Sachs contributed to this year, some of whom are Republicans, some of whom are Democrats, all of them won. Mitch McConnell, Republican Kentucky. Jim Himes, Democrat Connecticut. John Conyer, Republican Texas. Tom Cotton, Republican Arkansas. Cory Booker, Democrat New Jersey. Tim Scott, Republican South Carolina. Kevin McCarthy, Republican California. Uh, Sean Patrick Maloney, Democrat New York. All these guys won, and they all received massive amounts of money from Goldman Sachs. Democracy. Yeah. yeah, well, and you know, the the famous, the supposed, like, uh, Bannon Street Project, I don't know if you guys heard about that, this big, like, Democratic get-out-the-vote thing. Uh, I mean, I heard a lot of people today that were basically like, well, that's the last time I do phone banking. Like, that that really made a big difference. And, you know, so you, it's sort of hard to argue, well, you would have lost by more. I mean, I guess that's true. Um, but it is partially about sort of getting people out. I think I think you're probably right, though, Story. I think that's probably very good analysis, that a lot of it is just people are pissed, and when people are pissed, they just sort of almost blindly vote for some politician that's not who is the current politician, and then they vote, hopefully, for you know something which is theoretically, practically applicable to them, like medical marijuana or the minimum wage increase or you know something like that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on that. I just... Uh, I just think it's unfortunate that there's so much cowardice, um, you know, on the part of these of these political operators. And, you know, so much of American life has been about driving people into fear and being afraid of this and being afraid of ISIS mm-hmm. and being afraid of Ebola. And so politicians, you know, get some of that, too, being afraid that they'll lose. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm... I am amazed by it myself, but um, as I say, I, I don't feel just—I just don't feel nearly as bad about it, just because two years from now is going to be a much different scenario. Number one and number two, I thought it was pretty predictable from the beginning that the Democrats are going to get shellacked, and um, you know, I—I'm I, just glad I live in a blue state. That's all. <laughs> I'm just—I'm just glad I don't live, you know, there where I'd be subject to. That was ridiculousness. Although I'm certainly, you know, hoping for the Supreme for the health of the four Supreme Court justices that are trying to maintain some sanity. So there's that. 
Well, but, I'm just yeah. looking forward to having people in office who are going to facilitate the collapse of the global economy so that Bitcoin becomes more valuable sooner. <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> as long as Bitcoin has survived, that's fine. Where, where was our, you I'm, know, I, I, I don't know. I'm ashamed of you because I don't know why I didn't see any referendums on California's ballot about making Bitcoin. I wanted to see a referendum phrased like Bitcoin should be, uh, be it resolved that Bitcoin should become the currency of California and specifically should be the currency of certain small apartments in the Beverly Hills local Los Angeles areas, um, particularly from experts in uh, middle range experts in antique chairs and shamanic mess. I wanted that. I wanted that referendum proposal because that would have passed easily because it's California and, you know, I, and you didn't get that done. So I'm well, I'm annoyed. I hate to disappoint you, Greg, but in June of this year, the California legislature passed AB 129, which is called the uh, Lawful Russ. Money oh. Act, which <laughs> made changes to current law to, quote, ensure that various forms of alternative currency, such as digital currency, points, coupons, or other objects of monetary value, do not violate the law when those methods are used for the purchase of goods and services or the transmission of payments. So they basically did pass a Bitcoin endorsement law because California is awesome. Wait, say that, did you just say does not violate, they passed a fair money law which said alternative forms of currency should also be like money? Is that what you just said they said? Well, basically, it says that, you know, for instance, like Russia banned digital currency and imposed a fine and New York did something similar and other states have passed sort of onerous regulations and California's like, it's all good. Use your Bitcoin. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Yay, Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I think it's funny that that Dogecoin, I know something now quite a bit about um, internet sarcasm culture running the Twitch channel that I do. I think it's funny that Dogecoin, which was made as a joke, has now mm -hmm. become its own valid form of alternate currency because we can't go far enough into the looking glass. Oh, like, yeah. Dogecoin is like the crowdfunding digital currency now like that's used to tip and fund projects and stuff all over the place. And we, we are obviously missing the boat, guys, because you know what we haven't created yet? Mepcoin. Mep Mep there you go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mepcoin. Where is Mepcoin? We could have each one could be branded with like an emu face or something like that. And During the election coverage last night, I almost never watched television. I was watching television on the internet because that's the only place I watch it. I almost never see commercials. There was an ad during the election coverage on CNN for Blue Emu. <laughs> like muscle relaxing oil right? or oh. something. And I was like, I got all intense about the farming of emu glands again. Sign. No, not sponsor. Evil <laughs> emu killers. What are you talking about? Sponsor? What? what? No, I'm looking it up right now. Blue emu, America's number one emu oil formula. Hi, yes, you guys I'm know to get the emu oil. Hi, oh, I'm from Death God. to Our Mascot Company. Johnny How are Bench. You? There's Johnny Bench. There's spokesperson. Yeah. God damn it, Johnny oh, Bench. Oh, yeah, Johnny Bench. Bench, Good Johnny God. Bench. It's our new campaign. Absolutely. What a oh bastard. Oh, my gosh. That was so U.S. government with ISIS. It's like, we'll give you money. No, you want to kill us. No, not anymore. You know what it would be like no. is if we – so if we created a blue bench cream, which was exclusively farmed by farming Johnny Bench's glands, that's what it would be like. All right. I don't think you would like that too much. So I think that we need to create a letter writing campaign. But I don't want to get off the point. This is about Mepcoin, okay. not about how much of a bastard Johnny Bench is. I mean, this needs to happen, guys. I know nothing about economics other than the very basics and the fact that, you know, money is something in my household. We, we 
you know, it'd be nice if we had a little more of it now and again, but it doesn't really, it's not really a big occupation of our time. So it's up to you guys who have this enormous knowledge, particularly Russ, who traffics in the, the seedier sections, the red light district expert of the internet, if you will. It's up to, it's up to you to create MEPCoin. I don't know why this hasn't happened. Is he the red light financial currency expert because he doesn't describe money as, quote, something in his household? <laughs> he goes a little more I can identify right. parts of my household. Got it. It's something in my shark. household. I've seen I'm, change in the couch i'm a financy guy i know about money yeah. <laughs> just because guy. some of my money is in the form of tribal artifacts and yeah oh, fuck you traffic <laughs> oh and other other money of mine is in the form uh, of like strings of code and right <laughs> that are called bits but don't get that confused fine. don't start actually offering somebody like all right if i win i'm all in with my shamanic mask don't do that because that that might not go over well if you get those forms mixed up you know. Let me ask you. Let me do the Goldman Sachs test on you guys. Okay. How much if if blue emu uh, <laughs> number one emu oil formula decided to offer us a sponsorship and pay for all of our server costs and pay no. for no. everything? Like how much would Ever. it take no. For, no. to be the number one emu oil of the MEP report? No. <laughs> Emus across America. No. no. When would we capitulate? And corrupt. I'm mean, no like asking, like, how much would the genocideers have to do? <laughs> so you just do a little bit of like the genocide. This is our favorite genocide. The official what's it genocide gonna take to get ten report. dead Kurds like, in this plot really? for you? Like that? What's it gonna really? take? Right. Yeah. So if like, Blue Emu, <laughs> America's number one emu oil formula. What do you know, Russ? These <laughs> questions are sounding too realistic. <laughs> He's like. Five thousand dollars to just run a little spot at the Right, end he just of the starts intro. quoting a letter. He's like, What if it actually said, Hi, I'd like you to be a sponsor? Wait a minute, where did you get this? He'd say, Would you like to throw like Johnny Bench? Try America's number one emu oil formula, blue emu. Would for five thousand I mean, dollars you guys would say no? Enough because like we're probably the one in two Google hits for emus, like <laughs> in, you know, and they like don't know any better. They're like, this site has emus. They like emus. We have emu. Yay, emu. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. <laughs> It would be funny, actually, if we could somehow figure out a way to get them to pump a bunch of money into us and then spend all of our time bashing the hell out of people who get so that we somehow simultaneously reduce their sales but increase our revenue. Like with one solo revenue stream. It would be, you know what it would be like, Russ? It would be like the, the uh, were you with me playing this game story when we did this when we played the rail game? I think you were. Remember when we played the Railways Across mm -hmm. America game? Where oh, yeah. Russ, Russ always out, goes into infinite debt. Yeah, that he could just almost no outspend his debt and he almost managed yeah, to do it. Yeah, and that was the race. That yeah, was the race. It's like the race. ultra debt strategy. It was like total fiscal conservatism yeah. versus neo-capitalism like on display. It was actually, I wish we had the whole game recorded. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's that's it. So that's what we need. We're like racing against time for when the company collapses and how much revenue we've raised from them. In the meantime, that's that's our race. Let and, me and also, also be you know. clear. If they gave us a bunch of money but did not ask for a sponsorship or good, I would totally take that. So I do not believe in like dirty money. Yeah, like, you've talked about like this if, before. If yeah. I were running for a can an office and like Hitler's children gave me money and were like, this is from Hitler. <laughs> he wanted you to have it. I'd be like, sure, great. I will I will do Hitler. things with it that Hitler would not like. Wonderful. Like, like money Hitler does not... Thank you note? <laughs> Dear yeah, no, but uh, yeah, exactly. But I would draw the line at the thank you note. I wouldn't be like, thank you, KKK, for this lovely money. Oh, no, God. you know, 
And 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 I think I could even like get elected. Like I would take the Goldman money and the whatever else, and then like I would never see any of this money again. When they would be like, "So about that meeting to set policy," and I'd be like, "No, I hate you guys." And they'd be like, "But the money," and I'm like, "Yes, that was very nice. Thank you. <laughs> now go so away." You would thank them. You do. No, You'd have right. one election worth of it. You'd have just one. Right. Exactly. Worth, so yeah. I could get one good election. But like, so yeah. So the money is not tainted. Like, if they want to turn their money that they would otherwise slaughter emus into <laughs> into like emu promotion, that's fine. But we're not going to say no. go blue emu. Absolutely. Even though we've said their company's name like four. Are, are we? Are we certain that they're actual glands that are being farmed? Yes. Or are these actually? Sure. They are really yeah. okay. Well, then no. I mean, that's that's an abomination and terrible. And you know, also they're I not called blue emu because it's synthetic them. emu glands. Well, they might because they want people to think that it's really natural. You know, all nature, but you know, not really. It could be the thing that they don't donate money to to feel better about themselves. Because we, we are because, killing because our, the emus to save them. It's like the Vietnam right. War. No, because our job right, exactly. the village to save it. Right, yeah. we're making the world safe for democracy. Because and and the reason is story because our job is to make them feel better about themselves. Like we're like, listen, what about the poor CEO of Blue Emu who think goes to bed every night going, I know that this is wrong. If only there was some way to assuage my conscience, and then like a shining <laughs> beacon on a hill, the MEP report is like is there to help me. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, I I don't even I I don't even know I had actually did not even think about that because I think I've heard that commercial with Johnny Bench now that you mention it I didn't even cross my radar screen that it was called Blue Emu. I'm gonna wow. write them a letter, you guys. Yeah. About what? Like telling them solicitation. You are still ducking the Mepcoin point, and I know that we're almost done here, but uh, for for today. But you need to tell me, Russ, how long it's going to take you to get Mepcoin up and running. It's Look, certainly no more ridiculous than Dogecoin, and Dogecoin I, worked. So I know that you think that I'm some kind of hacker genius, but I do not write. <laughs> algorithms for fun you or, know or for not fun I, I don't have <laughs> any idea like hey max kaiser of the kaiser report of russia today like he was popular enough that somebody decided to invent a coin and call it max coin and they had tons of fun on the show talking about max coin and how it was worth zero but they had a million max coins like right it, yeah sure you can do it there are a billion alternative currencies out there but yeah, we would need an, a fan who is actually a coder who creates these things to waste some number if of days. If you know how to waste <laughs> your time and money creating MapCoin, please do it. Please do it right now yeah. and um, contact us at uh, you know Greg Story. Also, or if Russ any of Hitler's Report. children com. have money they want to donate, <laughs> we will take your money. We would take it. <laughs> we would not discriminate. Dear Map Reporters, <laughs> my name is Adolf Dogecoin, and I would like to help you to make the monies. And he's Russian. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> Probably. Who knows anymore? He's Russian and German. It, look, do I know where Hitler's children ended up? I mean, maybe, you know, he got to St. Petersburg yeah. and something Allegedly Hitler himself. Yeah, He's I mean, right. Adolf Dogecoin, the grandson of Henry Kissinger. <laughs> Hitler coin. <laughs> I am Adolf Dogecoin. I have opinions on the Vietnam War. Oh, my God. Well, uh, but on, on the, if you guys know about that, I want you all to conjure with that over the next week as you're listening to us. Uh, conjure with the idea of this coin. And uh, please help Russ out. Please contact Russ at Russ at MepReport.com and let him know that you can code some MepCoin for him because I want the emu to soar and we're not going to do it by uh, Johnny Bench. Um, thank you all for uh, checking us out again. We are again, uh, we are not leaving for three years. This proves it. This is two shows 2. in about three weeks. 2.5 max. 2.5 max. Um, but we will be back to you guys soon. Uh, thank you all for listening and tuning in as 
as always, and we will be back to you soon. Until next time, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everyone. Also, Well, dingo came around one day. Um, da 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 da. Hey there, emu, you wanna play? Um, da 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 da. But the emu was too smart for him. <laughs> Walk right up and kicked him in the shin. Ba da da He go blow, but I'm telling you, we can run the pants of a dingo too. Oh yeah, but he had to kick me in the shin first. Well, the last time I saw old man he knew him better He was chasing a female he knew him better As he shot past, I heard him say, <laughs> She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo. She can't fly, but I'm telling you, she can run the pits of a kangaroo.